the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Well, we're starting a new series. I'm going to call it A Fast February. A Fast February. I'm not going to tell you why yet. I'm just going to make you stew on that a while. Maybe I'll tell you a little bit later. I don't know. But I'm going to call today's first message in that new series, Now is the Time. So if you're following along in your little brochures there, there's a blank for what's today's message called. It's called Now is the Time. Earlier this week, I went to my gym, which is, I go three times a week typically. Get up early in the morning, put my gym clothes on, get out there in the cold weather and drive my truck and and. And it was raining this particular day, and I get out there and try to open the door, and the door's locked. Now that'll make you mad, because I've been going for three to five years now. I don't a long time, and the door's always open. You just go in any 20, 24 hours a day, it's open. And I go this particular morning, and they've unlocked the door. Well, that makes you just want to call somebody out, call somebody up, and bless them. Bless them out. <laughs> but I got to be honest. Back sometime during the summer, they put a, a note on the side of the door that said that they would be going to some new fangled zap me in kind of thing, like, you know, our given thing, <laughs> technology. And so I didn't think nothing of it. You know, I didn't even know my gym membership number or whatever. We pay the bill, you know. Door should be open. <laughs> then along the way, they built a new nice entryway, and they started putting up these little card reader things facing the door. And But the door was still open every morning. I come in, the door's still open. I'm... Finally, they put this big metal sign on the outside, and they put posters all over the place detailing how you're going to have to put an app on your phone, you're going to have to get your number, and you're going to have to zoom in, you know, to get in. So I, I guess maybe I should have expected that that day would come when they, the door would actually be locked when I got there, don't you think? <laughs> I, I just didn't believe it was coming. And I guess that's how they felt back in Noah's day. Oh, that man's crazy. I don't know why he's always building on that ark thing. It ain't never rained. You know, my grandmama used to tell us that that it was going to rain one day, but it ain't never rained. It ain't coming. That door will be open forever. You know, how many of you know that Jesus has built us an ark? But I look around and it don't seem like a lot of people are in a hurry to get on board. A lot of people want the ticket to get on board, but they don't want to live on board. But the Bible says the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. 
that our life is supposed to be hid in Christ. That we're supposed to be in Him. Have you ever looked up all the scriptures and the promises in the Bible? Almost all of them say that it's in Him. But most of us, we don't want to get on the ark. We just think that door will be open forever, I guess. Some, some people say, well, I'll get on once the rain starts. Well, I looked it up. In Genesis, it said that uh, God told Noah and his family to get on the ark seven days before it ever rained. And God closed that door before that ever first raindrop ever fell. So there wasn't any warning. I think we should be living with a sense of urgency. As Christians who know better, how many times you heard this sermon already? Some of you said, I could preach that. Maybe you have preached that. But we don't seem to be living with a sense of urgency. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to get urgent. Yeah, so too many people say, I, I got plenty of time. Young people say, I'm going to sow my wild oats before I ever do all that faith stuff. And it ain't just young people, is it? Some of y'all, 70 years old, still sowing them wild oats, you know. Like, <laughs> Boy, you got some wild oats. In Matthew 24, 37, it says, when the Son of Man returns. Now, this is Jesus talking. And this is Jesus talking about himself. He's the Son of Man. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up until the time that Noah entered the boat. Now, God's not saying there's something wrong with banquets and parties and weddings, but the parties and the banquets and the weddings are just a lot better on the boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and it swept them all away. Hmm. This is what it will be like when the Son of Man comes. Those people were warned. But you say, Pastor, I just don't see, you know, the rapture coming and me getting left behind or, or any of that. I don't, I, God knows my heart. Yes, he does. <laughs> and he tells us through the prophet that our hearts are desperately wicked. And who can know it? You can't trust your heart. What we need to be living is not according to our heart, but according to the Holy Spirit that's been put in our heart. We need to follow the Holy Spirit. You say, well, I'm going to, Pastor. I'm going to. <laughs> You've been saying that a long time. I'm going to. Procrastinate. I looked it up. It says to intentionally put off something that should be done. And many of us are procrastinating. But the, the title of today's message is, Now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. How many knows what this is? It's a round to it. I want to get all of you one of these because now is the time to get around to it. 
2019 is about time to get around to it. Now, now I know listening to this message, a lot of people are going to say, he's not talking to me. I done got past that stage. But which one of y'all can say that they're heading something in your life that God's asking you to do that you ain't got around to it? So I'm talking to everybody today. Don't, don't shut off on me and think, well, this is just for the lost folks. They need to get around to it, but you need to get around to it too. <laughs> Let's turn to Haggai. You probably didn't even know Haggai was in the Bible. He's been in there a long time. You keep reading, you'll get around to it. <laughs> First one that gets to Haggai, raise your hand. I don't got any extra round to it. You got to get your own round to it. Who else raised a hand? <laughs> Haggai is hard to find because it's just two chapters in the middle of the Old Testament right in the middle of the Bible it's sandwiched between the two Z's Zephaniah and Zechariah but it's in the, he's, he's been in there the whole time <laughs> in chapter 1 verse 2 says this is what the Lord of Heaven's army said now that's why it's important that you read Haggai, read the Bible. Here it says, this is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. You mean God said stuff and we ain't even took the time to read about it? I don't want to get off on a tangent, but you need to get around to it. <laughs> this is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. The people are saying, the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Now, who said that? Was, did God say that? No, the people. The people said it's not yet time to rebuild the house of the Lord. Now, you have to understand in context, a couple, couple of months ago, probably I was preaching out of the book of Nehemiah. And you remember how the, the Jews, uh, Jerusalem had been ransacked and burned and all the stones destroyed and... and uh, Nehemiah and all the Jews have been carried away into captivity. And then God raised up Nehemiah as the cupbearer of the king. And he came back and he rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. We preached on that for some time. That was 18 years before Haggai wrote this. 18 years. They built the wall in the first year. And then the next four years, they began to rebuild the city. And for four years, they built the foundation of of the house of God. They were rebuilding the temple that was in Jerusalem before it got mowed down by the Babylonians. So they got a good start. They were excited. God has given us walls in our life again. My, like some people got saved. You know, you got walls in your life again. You got a new opportunity to build a new life, a new city for yourselves. You're not... At the mercy of the devil, you have walls now. And so, for the first four years, they began to build. And there was an excitement. But somewhere along the line, they started saying, well, i got to build me a house. 
And they started building their own houses. They began to spend all their time down at the Home Depot. Some of them spent all their time down at the Lowe's. And some of them was at Target. Some of them was at Walmart. A lot of Walmart people. And they began, they lost sight of building the house of God. It's sort of like the parable of the sower, the seed that fell on the thorny ground. The cares of this life choked out the seed. And so they started a little pretty strong, but it didn't take long for them to sink back into what they wanted. And it goes on in verse 3, it says, Then the Lord sent this message through the prophet Haggai, Why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? It always hurts my heart to see things that I know it's an emotional plea from the Lord. Why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? This is what the Lord of Heaven's armies says about that. Look at what is happening to you. You have planted much, but you harvest little. You eat, but you're not satisfied. You drink, but you stay thirsty. You put on clothes, but you can't keep warm. (laughs) This is one of my, I think we all can identify, you put wages (laughs) Your wages disappears though you were putting them into pockets with holes. Where did the money go? I thought we was good. (laughs) And it just disappeared. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Look at what is happening to you. He says it again. Look at what is happening to you. He says, now go up into the hills. And bring down the timber and rebuild my house. Then I will take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. Four things that I took note of while reading the book of Haggai. Number one, we're all prone to put our house above God's house. We all, if given the choice, will probably say, well... It's more fun building my kingdom than God's. Like there's two different kingdoms, like you weren't translated into his kingdom. (laughs) Number two, we all have excuses for doing it. There's not a person here that, that if I was to come to you and say, man, you're not really building God's house, you say, well, you don't know my schedule. You don't know what I got going on. My wife is this. My kids are doing this. We all have excuses. Number three, many of us are lacking God's peace. When I mean peace, I mean wholeness. I mean everything is cool. We're lacking God's peace because God never gives us a life where he's not necessary. Remember that quote last week from Daniel Eric Groves, God never gives us a life where he's not necessary. And I would add a life where he's not first place. God is not going to sit there and allow you to be comfortable apart from him. And so you feel like you got holes in your pocket. You feel like you're drinking, 
but you're still thirsty. You're eating, but you're still hungry. You, you got on all these clothes, but you're not getting warm. There's still a longing. And it's because only obedience brings blessing. Only obedience to God brings blessing. You say, well, uh, I'm not following God and I feel blessed. Well, your blessings is fleeting. The kind of blessings you got, you can't take with you when you go. Number four, even mature Christians lose sight of building God's house. And they must constantly evaluate themselves. Evaluate their motives. Now I'm talking to you people that's been in this church longer than me. Because over the course of time, we can let things slip. I wrote this, and it's on your sheet if you want to fill it out. Self defaults to self. If we are not actively pursuing God, if we're not, if we we try to put our faith on autopilot, it don't work. There's no, I'm good for the next couple of years. I'm going to build these big barns. I'm good. Put all my stuff in it. I'll be good. No, there's none of that. This life, you have to get up every day. Every day. This is the day the Lord has made. Now is the time. It's time today to get around to it. Self always defaults to self. You have two natures in you. Yourself and the Holy Spirit. And you got to make a decision. And God is only honored when you build His house. Wait, wait a minute, Pastor. Now you're getting you're getting a little too... I think God wants me to have a big house. I think God wants me to have... And I get a big argument for this. You know, people will get mad. And this will be the last time they come to Passion Church. Wait a minute now. Take this into consideration. You are God's house. Okay, this, this church is God's house, yes, in one level. But you are a temple of the living God. The Holy Spirit lives in you. So when you build God's house, you're building you. You're just doing it God's way. Does that make sense? So if God wants to bless you, be blessed. But make sure it's God that's blessing you. God's blessing is enough. It's all we need. He wants to bless you. He wants you to have nice things and to, and to have a beautiful home. But your home is with Him. Your kingdom is His kingdom. And when you build His kingdom, you're building your kingdom. I don't know, it sounds good to me. So, so when are you thinking about getting started? When are you thinking about getting around to it? I, I mean, we try to make it as simple as possible. Y'all know the discipleship will. I'm not even going to bring it up. Because y'all already know it by now. 
you know, you know God, you find freedom, you discover purpose, and you make a difference. We just broke it down. Are you going around the wheel? Are you moving forward? Because you remember, you even mature Christians have to make sure we're still moving forward because if you're not moving forward, you're going backwards. And you're getting back entangled into things that you once were free from. You're losing sight of your purpose. You ain't made, you ain't made a difference in a long time. Am I preaching real good or just preaching real hard? <laughs> Got to preach them as I get them. You say, well, I made Jesus Lord. What do you want me to do, Pastor? Let him be Lord. You said he was Lord. Let him be Lord. 1 Corinthians 6, 20 says, you were bought with a price. We ain't talking about no cheap price. I know it was free for you to get saved, but it was a price for Jesus. It was all of his blood. The precious blood of Jesus Christ. Therefore, glorify God in your body, this house, and in your spirit. Which are gods. You see, they're gods. You were redeemed. You were so happy when you got saved. You started that foundation, you remember? But somewhere along the line, it began easier to build your house. Time is ticking. And every second is one that we can't get back. You know, when I used to play golf in, in high school, I just did it to get out of class, you know? But we would be down at the range, and, and I was learning how to hit the golf ball, and the coach would come by, and he'd show me, okay, what if you wanted to slice one? Then you'd take a different backswing, and, you know, he's showing me different swings and stuff. And so then when we would play a match against another high school, we'd go out on the course, and the coach would walk with us. And one time I remember coming up to my ball, and there was kind of a tree in the way. I was going to have to slice it. And I said, Coach, I'm going to try that new shot that I've been practicing. Uh, uh, coach, I, I'm going to practice this shot and see if I can get it around that tree. He said, hold, son. This ain't practice. When you're on the course, every stroke counts. This ain't time to practice. You practice at the range. But you hit what you know right now. Every shot counts. Some people think, I got to get right before I serve God. Was that how you got saved? Did you have to clean up before you came? Do you have to clean up to serve him? Some people use that as an excuse. Well, I don't want to seem like a hypocrite. You know, I, I don't have myself right. I don't feel like I should be telling anybody else about Jesus. I shouldn't be serving at the church because I don't have everything just perfect. But guess what? You're never going to get anything perfect. That's a good excuse. How'd you come up with that? I was smart. You can use that forever. <laughs> but no, that's not the way it is. You were saved by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus, and that's the way you walk it out. You walk it out the same way. You trust in His grace that He will lead you and guide you along the way even if you don't know nothing. That's how you got saved. Saved by grace. By faith. You walk it out by faith. If we'd be really honest, some of us just say, I just want to do what I want to do. 
That's what, if you just be honest, I think we'd, we'd do good to just be honest. Then we know what we're dealing with. We just want to try to play the system and beat the odds. Not everybody, but some people, you understand. I know most, everybody in here is hardest to do God's will. But I mean, you know, people that will hear this podcast, some of them are like, you know, trying to see how close they can get to the sin without actually falling in. Uh, me and Troy, the drummer back here, one time we went to a pawn shop. I said, you know, there's a guitar amp in there. We not, And Jamie wants me to look at it. Jamie gave me money. He always gets me to buy his equipment. He trusts my judgment. He knows I'm a wheeler dealer. <laughs> Being in the pawn shop should have gave you the first clue. This is a long time ago. And so we walked up in this pawn shop. I'm, I'm telling Troy, you watch how I do it now. And so we went around there and we looked at this amp and played it and it sounded good and everything. And uh, I'm thinking about what kind of deal I'm going to make on it. And I look up on the wall. I got a rack of guitars. And, and I see this one. And I pull it down. And it's a guild. And it's missing a couple strings. It don't look good there on the rack. just hadn't been taken care of. And these are $10 set of strings. But I'm thinking this is a maybe six, seven, eight dollars $800 guitar. Price tag, $150. They don't know what they got. They think it's just an old raggedy guitar. Back in the day before Google, you could, you could get deals at the pawn shop. So I told Troy, I said, look at this, look at this. And I put it back there. I, I said, watch this, Troy. I'm going to do what they call bundling. <laughs> this is before American Pickers now. I was back in it on the day, you know what I'm saying? And so I was a wheeler dealer because that's how I got everything because I was broke all the time. And so I called the guy over. And I worked him down, worked him over real good about this amp and got a good low price on him. And I said, I'll tell you what, I might just do that deal, but I want you to, you got a guitar over on the wall, right? If you'll throw that in for another 50, I'll do the deal. He went over there and he got it. He said, ooh, this says 150. I don't know. And we went back and forth. He finally said, I'll give it to you for 100 on the deal. <sighs> Mind you, this is a $700 guitar, and I know it. I said, no, man, I, most I can do is 50 Come on, Troy, let's go. And I'm pulling the old, let's walk away, and wait for him to stop me deal. Well, we walk around the corner, and I'm waiting. He don't stop me. Out the door we go. Troy says, what are we doing? We, we came to get the amp, didn't we? I said, Troy, this is just a technique. It's lunchtime. Let's go over to the barbecue place and get us something to eat, and we'll go back. Because I didn't want to go right back and make myself look bad, you know. <laughs> so we ate. We came back. Troy, is this a true story? Say amen. <laughs> we went back up in there, and as soon as we got in there, some guy had that guitar, that Gil guitar in his hand. And I'm like, no, he wasn't going out the door. He was just walking around with it. And I was following him. You remember, I was following him. I was saying, set it down. Just set it down for a minute. Just set it down and walk away. And I'm just watching this dude. He will not set this guitar down. And I'm starting to freak out. He takes it up to the counter, lays it on there. And this guy at the, behind the counter sells it to him for the same hundred that I wouldn't pay. And brought a hundred dollar hard shell case out to put it in. 
And for $100, this guy walks away with an $800 guitar and a $100 hard shell case and walks out the door. You know what I did? I followed him out. <laughs> and I got out there and said, dude, uh, I know you don't know me, but I'll give you $150 for that guitar right now. And his eyes got big, and he realized, hey, I must have something here. He said, no, I, I'm going to keep it. And he drove off. <laughs> Jamie got a good amp out of the deal. <laughs> but see, wheeling and dealing is not what we do with God. I was a wheeler dealer. You know what? I've learned to stop all that wheeling and dealing and deal honestly and fairly now. So I can sleep at night. And we don't need to wheel and deal with God. This isn't a game. The stakes are too high. We can't win trying to play one on God. I will often tell you about the hands, right? If you've ever heard me tell you about the hands, raise your hand. All right, the rest of y'all listen up. When my kids was little, it was like God gave me an idea to just break it down. And so... One of them crying and throwing a fit or something when they were little. And I would say, I want you to watch this. On this hand, if you keep crying, you keep throwing that fit, I'm going to whoop your little boo honey. And then I'm going to put you into bed. But on this hand, if you'll stop crying and start acting right, me and you'll get some ice cream and we'll go watch a movie. Which one do you choose? Now, which one would you choose? There was not one time that they chose the left hand. They never, ever chose the left hand. They, it's just breaking it down. Well, God breaks it down for us in Romans 6.23. And I don't know how he could make it any simpler. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death. Yum. But the gift of God is eternal life in, say in, in Christ Jesus. The wages of sin is death. I'm laying the hands out for you. The wages of sin is death, and the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Now put that way, which one of us would choose this hand? But when we try to not think about it, we're apt to choose this one because self defaults to what we want to do. But always remember the hands. You can do things your way or God's way. You can follow yourself or you can follow the Holy Spirit. You choose. God said today I set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Let me do that backwards. Life and death, blessing and cursing. You choose. You get to choose. But you don't get to choose the consequences of your choice. That was laid out before. Death or eternal life. So make your choices carefully. Oh, I, I chose God a long time ago. But are you still choosing Him today? 
It may not be a heaven or hell issue because he's your savior now, but are you still, you still walking in the blessings of life, of being in Christ Jesus? Or have you backed away and defaulted to self? And I could preach this at any time, in any church, anywhere, in any country. That we are all in this together. We all have to be encouraged every day that this is the day that the Lord has made. David, King David, had chosen God a long time ago. But it says at the time where the, in the spring where the kings were gone off to build their kingdom, build the kingdom, David had defaulted to self and decided to stay home. He'd let himself start ruling. And he was sitting up on his roof and he looked down and there's a Bathsheba. And that's what happens. When we are not forwardly, actively seeking God and doing the things God's asking of us and choosing the right hand and getting out our round to it, the devil will set us up and we will fall prey to him. So we must be careful. Ephesians 5 15 says, see that you walk circumspectly. Now, I wasn't exactly sure what circumspectly means because I could barely pronounce it. But it says, careful to consider all the circumstances and the possible consequences. So see then that you walk careful to consider all circumstances and the possible consequences. That's just common sense. Not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Yourself, your flesh wants to do evil and the world is ready to accommodate. The days are evil. To be a Christian, you're going to have to be proactive. You're going to have to make a decision. Jesus not only redeemed the time, he divided time between B.C. and A.D. He came and divided time and he redeemed the whole world in just 33 years. How did he do that? In just 33 young years, he changed the whole world. You don't want to know why? Because he says, now is my time. Now is my hour. This is the appointed time. When they went to look for him at 12 years old, he said, didn't you know I must be about my father's business? Didn't you know when his disciples came and they said, you can't go out today. Herod's trying to kill you. He said, you go tell that fox that I'll be healing today. I'll be delivering today. And on the third day, I'm going to shake up the world. Like Muhammad Ali. I'm a bad man. I shook up the world. Jesus didn't make excuses. You see, he didn't believe in them. He still don't believe in them. When some man came to him and says, I'm going to follow you, Jesus, but just let me go bury my dad first. He said, let the dead bury the dead. You follow me. No excuse. No excuse. In Revelations 22, 12, he says, look, look, I'm coming soon. 
That's what's important. Look, I'm coming soon, and I'm bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. For some of us, we're like, all right. He's bringing his rewards with him. And some of us are like, "Uh uh-oh. Say, now is the time. Now is the time, my friend. Now is the time to to mend that broken relationship in your life. Don't you think it's time? Maybe it's time to end that unhealthy relationship. Now is the time. Now is the time to forgive the people that you've been letting destroy your innards because of that unforgiveness. Say, now is the time. Now is the time to invest in your marriage. Now is the time to, to invest in your children, to rebuild this temple, to lose 25 pounds, to go to the gym, to get in shape, to eat right. Now is the time. Now is the time for you to begin to obey all the scriptures that you know. And, and, and get in there and find some more. Don't just say, oh, I don't want to be held responsible for anymore. Man, we're tricky. We're wheeler dealers, I'm telling you. Don't be a wheeler dealer. Find out what it says and do it. Now is the time to identify as a child of God and not a grunt of the devil. Ain't you tired of being his pack mule? Good night. Now is the time to obey all the specific things that God has asked you to do that's not even in the Bible. There's something that you know that God has been asking you lately. And you are resistant. Oh, that would cost me something. I don't want to. Now, my friends, it's time to shine. Now is the time to rejoice. It's time to live your best life right now. If you don't live it right now, when are you going to live it? When are you going to get around to it? When? God wants to help you. Oh, He wants to help you. He wants this message to impact you because he can't steer a ship where there is no sails. You've got to put the sail up and allow his wind to to bring you into the promised land. He can't steer a parked car. You have to get moving forward and then God will begin to take control. He says, draw nigh to me and I will draw nigh to you. Take a step and see what God will do. You know, it, it grieves Jesus. Every time that we walk away like the rich young ruler. See, the rich young ruler had something in his life that was more important than Jesus. He had his chance to walk with the master. But he thought there was something more. You don't know how many more times that you get to walk away like that. No man knows the hour or the day of Jesus' return. Very few people know the hour or the day of their own death. Maybe if you're on death row or something. But there's been a lot of people went to bed and didn't wake up in the morning. You don't know. Jesus may come back before I finish this sentence. And we as Christians, we believe in the return of Jesus. We believe He's coming back with His rewards. 
There were ten virgins that Jesus talked about in the Bible. And they were looking for the husbandman to return for the marriage feast of the Lamb, so to speak. But only five of them kept oil in their lamps. Only five of them were actively staying filled with the Holy Spirit, so to speak, the oil of gladness. Only five of them were, were doing what it takes to keep the lights burning. The other five, they had their excuses. We was going to get some. We was going to go down there to the store, man, but they raised their prices. You know, times are tough. I didn't get a chance to get any oil. Could you give me some of yours? But it was too late. When they, by the time they went off to get the oil, the, the master came back and he took them in and he shut the door. And when they got there, they knocked on the door. He said, go away. I don't know you. Just like in the story of Noah. There will come a day when it's too late to get around to it. But maybe it's not today. You know, the next day, I went and put that app on my phone. And we called the gym and got our membership number and got it all squared away. And the next day, I went to the gym and I put my phone up there and said, Doop! and I walked in the door. And I got right back to rebuilding my temple. Right back to taking care of business. And I'm praying that this is the day that you get to make that choice. You still got breath in your lungs. You still got a beating heart. You still got that promise. You still got that hope that your life is going to be significant. And some of you are saying, oh, I'm already into all that. And so then you're sitting here thinking, I still got more time to do it. First John 2.28 says, And now, little children, abide or stay in Him. In Him. That when He appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. How many of you want to hear, Well done, thy good and faithful servant? Every one of you. Every one of you. You know it. What's the difference? And those who want that and those who do that. No football team starts out the year, we're shooting for fifth place. <laughs> no, they all say, we're going for the championship. We saw that on the video Wednesday. We all have good intentions, but good intentions are not enough without actions to back it up. Everybody's got a good heart, so to speak. They got good intentions. But you got to put feet on the plan. You've got to put a sail on your ship. You've got to get into the game. You've got to make the decision that now is the time. I'm getting around to it. Now is my appointed time. listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. 
For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.